Talk Recorded live. Hello, once again, Spike. That's uh, for the Tribunal Ministry of Science Department 3 of uh, Great Calendar Controversy. Something out of this? I am. Um, we'll start uh, just to get to the ready. Hebrew calendar. A Hebrew calendation principle from the great calendar controversy time through time. Each day started at uh, sunrise and continued until the next sunrise. Even Evening was from noon until sunset. Sunset until sunrise was night, and it was counted as part of the previous day. There were four watches during the night. Sunset, 9, 9 to 9 p.m., midnight, what is it, 9 to mid, excuse me, 9, 9 to midnight, midnight to 3, and 3 to sunrise. Month started with a day following the observation of the crescent moon in the western sky after sunset. Months, lunations, had either 29 or 30 days. If no crescent was seen, the month automatically started on the day following, on the 30th. 30th was a work day, not a worship time. Beginning of the month was a worship day and was called New Moon. Six working days followed New Moon Day. Sabbath always fell on the 8th, 15th, 22nd, and 29th each month. The year had either 12 months, common, or 13 months, emblemistic. The year had about... 629-day months, 630-day months, 11 days short of the solar year. The year began with one crescent moon after the spring equinox, which provided a Paschal full moon between the Julius Les Gregorian dates of April the 8th to May 6th. Following the barley harvest, to reconcile the lunar year to solar year, the years fell naturally into a 19-year cycle of common and emblolismic years. I cannot pronounce that. Emblolismic years. There were near more. There are never more than two common years in a row before the emblomistic year. There were never two emblemistic years. Emblemistic years in a row. And, um, 
a cycle of 19 years and gaining nearly perfect alignment with the solar year. And the 19-year cycle, there was seven amblolithmic years. A 19-year cycle can be calculated on a perpetual calendar both forward and backwards for thousands of years. The lunar solar calendar and Millerite movement. I have been shown that many who profess to have the knowledge of present truth know not what they believe. They do not understand the evidence of their faith. They have no just appreciation of the work for the present time. When the time of trial shall come, there are men now preaching to others who will find upon examining the positions they hold that there are many things for which they cannot give no satisfactory reason. Until thus tested, they know not their great ignorance, and there are many in the church who take it for granted that they understand what they believe, but until controversy rises, they do not know their own weaknesses. When separated from those of like faith and compelled to stand singly or alone to explain their belief, they will be surprised to see how confused are their ideas on what they had accepted as truth. Maranatha 45. I felt like crying. That day had been what I had always thought was Sabbath. Now I was being told that I had been breaking, or keeping, excuse me, the wrong day of my life. Well, if today hasn't been the Sabbath, what is it? Third day, my friend replied, I don't know the day that way. What is it by name, I asked. Well, the weeks cycle directly, different, excuse me, differently. So you can't really compare that way. But if you could, today would have been a Tuesday. Tuesday had Satan really been able to pull off such such a triumph? Had I truly been that deceived? Of course, I wanted to study it out for myself. You can't just take someone else's word for something like this. What what had I seen so far seemed logical. But what of my husband? What would be his reaction if he did not agree? How would I raise five children in a divided home? How would the children respond if we were not united on so important, so so important, so important a point? Excuse me. Would they end up throwing all religion out, as often happens in the case of a spiritually divided home? There, I take such such a risk. The division, or excuse me, the decision did not take long. I knew the truth 
must be more important than a united home. Not knowing the truth does not change reality. If I had to raise my children in a divided home, God would give me the grace to do so. I stay up late at night reading through the papers given me, seeing the accumulation of biblical evidence and, his, and historical evidence. <clears throat> Just added that and part. I dug deeper. As I studied, it slowly began to take shape in my mind. I could finally begin to wrap my brain around a, uh, a lunar solar calendar that did not have the continuous cycle of weeks. I consulted the Jewish Encyclopedia, emailed <coughs> Kabin, Kabin Shabam, I guess that's pronounced C H A B A B dot org, and read about the Jewish calendar in a variety of sources, including the SDA dictionary. Then one night, while searching on the internet for more information, I stumbled upon something exciting. A a veritable treasure, provincially preserved in the archives of the Adventist Heritage Center at Andrews University, the Grace Amandon Collection. I could hardly believe what I was reading. Had our church really known about the Lunai solar calendar? Not only was our church aware of it, but it had been this very calendar the Millerites had used to establish October 22, 1844 as being the Day of Atonement. I quickly wrote off some of the papers. When they arrived, I poured over them. What a wealth of information. I found the answer to something that had long puzzled me. I had known for some time that the Jews observed September 23 as the Day of Atonement in 1844. So why did we say October 22nd? At the time, I had chosen to believe Ellen White rather than the rabbis. But now I know why there was a difference. Modern Jews used an altar calendar while the Millerites used the biblical reckoning. I began to see tremendous significance in the spirit of prophecy statements that we need to study all of our established points in order to give a reason for the hope that is within us. How easy it would have been for some persecuting attorney, some prosecuting attorney, attorney blah, in the days just ahead to make mincemeat of me on the witness stand. Now I had a reason for why October 22 was Day of Atonement in 1844 and not September 23. All I had to do was explain how the Lunai solar calendar worked and that the first crescent moon was visible in the night hours of October 12-13. Then I had the rug <clears throat> jerked out from under my 
newfound confidence. Boy, do I know that experience. In Grace Amanda's calculations, I learned that there was no new moon visible the night, October the 12th, 13, and yet the Millerites still insisted that it was the first day of the seventh moon month. So just how did they come up with October 22? The Millerites understood the biblical lunar solar calendar and used it to arrive to October 22 in 1844. But knowing the basics of how the lunar solar calendar worked are not enough. But only the basics on how the lunar solar calendar works are not enough. We need to know precisely how the Millerites used that calendar. It is probably news to most Adventists that the Millerites did not use the Gregorian calendar to establish the Day of Atonement for 1844, but they they did but they did not as far back as uh, April. And then in June and summer of 1843 and February of 1844, William Miller's associates came to a definite conclusion. This was the, the solution of Daniel's prophecy is dependent upon the ancient or original Jewish form of the lunar solar time and out upon the altered modern rabbinical Jewish calendar. The Millerites were deep students of the scriptures. Since the Adventist church owes much of their diligent, deep study of the Bible, they discovered uh, that within Judaism, there were two distinct ways of computing the calendar. There were rabbinical which starts in starts its new year, Nisan 1, on the new moon closest to the venerable equinox, and the Karite, or Karites, which, following Mosaic calendation principles, place its Nisan 1 on the first new moon after the venerable equinox. If the barley harvest was ready. If not, they would enter, uh, interculate an extra, extra month. The Millerites rejected the rabbinical first day of Nisan on March 21st of 1844 and chose April, new moon, for the beginning of the true type of the ancient first month. April 19 was the day. They argue that the modern Jewish calendar is based upon decisions that were unknown in the time of Christ. The the Karaites were a sect of Jews who, quote, gave up the system of rabbinical calendation and made the intercalation of a leap month dependent upon the ripened barley, according to Moses, they have been called the Protestants of Judaism. Charism 
clashes seriously with the parent faith, shook off the yoke of traditionalism and proclaimed the right of private judgment and maintained that the original scripture is a full and sufficient guide. Previous chapter, the previous chapter explained how the original Mosaic Lunai solar calendar worked, but there is another point regarding the Millerites' computation of October 22 date that is vital for us to know. The Millerites arrived at October 22 as being the Day of Atonement by calculation. Had the leaders wanted, waited until October to visually observe the first appearance of the moon, by which the date uh, Tisri 1, there could have been no seventh month movement, for there would have been insufficient time. They had to make their calculation in advance from standard moon tables, which were abundantly available. The date of October 22 being the end date of the 2,300-year prophecy was first announced by Samuel Snow on July 21, to, uh, 1844. He gave a discourse at a large Boston tabernacle on uh, the text. Quote, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. On the tenth day of the seventh month, Go ye out to meet him. However, it was not until the camp meeting held by Exeter, at Exeter, New Hampshire, August 12th through 17th, that the message really took hold. At that camp meeting, Snow gave three sermons. First was on 1844, ending of the great prophetic time periods. Second, on Mosaic sanctuary service types and their anti-typical fulfillment in Christian dispensation. And a third on the day to Christ's crucifixion in midst of the 70th prophetic week, which therefore brought an end to the 70th week in the seventh month of AD 34. And consequence, the close of the 2,300 years would similar, similarly extend to the seventh month in 1844, which equal, equated largely with the moon of October. From this revival comes the name, quote, seventh month movement, end quote. Again, they arrived at the date on October 22 by calculation, and had they waited until they could observe the first crescent moon, there would have been no time for them to give the the midnight cry. The Millerites already knew that the first day of the first Jewish month of Nisan 1 fell on April 19, 1844. The way they reasoned it was thus, quote, since crucifixion occurred in the midst of the week, in the spring of the year, hence the middle of the little Jewish year, and also uh, the prophetic year, therefore the end of the prophetic year must come in October. In other words, the prophetic years of Daniel 
and in the fall, and none in the spring. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's the complete opposite from what I've been reading about, right? The calendation was not altogether the key to the new chronology, which suddenly confronted the people in the summer of 1844, which gave life to the midnight, midnight cry. And the main spring lay concealed in Daniel 9 and Matthew 25. Samuel Snow was one of the several to discover the 600 months had yet to be added to the spring date itself a month later than the first computed in order to complete the prophecy. Snow got this largely from Daniel 9. His argument was simple but impelling that if Christ was crucified in the midst of the week, in the spring, then the end of the week, there, um, then the, the end of the week, and therefore the end, not only of uh, the 487th year, but also to uh, also of the 2,300 year, would come six lunar months later in the autumn, uh, October 22 was computed by adding the six lunar months, or 177 days, to April 19, and thereby, thereby obtaining as the first day of the seventh month, October 13th, from which nine days more extended to the tenth day of, of October 22. The Millerites have left an official statement that they thus reckoned from the appearance of the moon on the 18th of April, thereby found that the seventh Jewish month commenced with the appearance of the moon in the 13th of October. That 13 number shows up quite a bit, doesn't it? <clears throat> so that the day of the seventh month synchronized with the 20th of that month. This is an extremely important point to know because although there were new moons observed in all the months leading up to the seventh month, there was no new moon to be observed the night of October 12-13th. Why? Technically, it has to do with how soon the new moon can be seen after conjunction. The point in time when the sun, moon, and so within the moon, the earth, and the sun are all in line and the moon cannot be seen. <clears throat> Which I would argue that that's not really real. Myself at this point. I don't know how to prove it yet, but I think um, there's something else going on. I think. At the U.S. Naval Observatory website, the conjunction is referred to as, quote, new moon, end quote. However, the Bible, the Bible times, in Bible times, as has been stated, the months did not start until the first crescent could be observed. Typically, it takes two days for the crescent of the new moon to appear. In simple terms, no new moon was observed the night of October the 12th slash 13th in 1844 because the moon's meridians or the highest point of its arc before it set was below the horizon 
in most of New England, the land of the midnight cry. Furthermore, the moon set only 10 minutes after the sun did in October 12th, thereby making the sky too light to observe it anyway. The Millerites knew that under the Mosaic, Mosaic calendation, a new moon was declared after 30 days regardless of whether or not it was observed. Therefore, they were all in agreement that October 13th was the first day of the seventh moon, the Tishrei 1, and that the tenth day was the, 20, the 22nd of October. Sylvester Bliss in, in the Millerites' official report in January of 1845 affirms, quote, reckoning from this Nissan boom, the seventh Jewish month commenced with the appearance of the moon on the 13th of October. Thus, the 10th day of the seventh month was October 22nd. Was October 22nd the correct day of the atonement, uh, the day of atonement? <clears throat> Let's try this again. Was October 22nd the correct date for Day of Atonement in 1844? Absolutely. Under the Mosaic system, the cleansing of the sanctuary, the great Day of Atonement occurred on the 10th day of the 7th Jewish month, Leviticus 16, 29-34. When the high priest, having made an atonement for all the Israel, thus removed their sins from the sanctuary, came forth and blessed the people. So it was believed that Christ, our great high priest, would appear to purify the earth by the destruction of sin and sinners and to bless his waiting people with immortality. The tenth day of the seventh month, the Great Day of Atonement, which in the year of 1844 fell upon the 22nd of October, was regarded as the time of the Lord's coming. The Millerites showed great courage in following the Lamb to arrive on October 22nd. Their remarkable stand of the Millerites in 1843-1844 in rejecting the current rabbinical calendation and revising the original Jewish year of the crucifixion period that they might correctly determine to close the 2,300-year period to clear scholarly thought, intensive research, and extraordinary moral courage and real historic and real and really heroic decisive action. They risked all upon the crucial position. <clears throat> Not only was Catholicism directly opposed to their prophetic interpretations, but almost all the Protestantism had rejected it as well. Furthermore, and most serious of all, the Jewry uh, had many centuries before abandoned the Caldation given to Moses which had been operative in principle and in essentially identical form in both the 5th century B.C. 
and the first century AD. These centuries are important because the former embraces the beginning date of 2003 year time prophecy, while the latter includes the verifying dates of the Passover slash crucifixion, which occurred in the midst of the 70th prophetic week of the long time prophecy. Painstakingly studying the Karaites' uh, protest in the Middle Ages against the rabbinical perversion, uh, perversion of the calendar, they at least deliberately and irrevocably accepted, restored, and applied to their time prophecy problem the early Chaldean championed by the Karaites. This and this they did in defiance of the whole body of rabbinical scholarship and the general current practice of Jewry. There were many in 1844 who made merry over the lunar reckoning that was not based upon the modern Jewish calendar. The answer was returned, quote, every scholar knows that we are correct as to the Carried seventh month, end of quote. The Millerites were well aware of the rabbinical seventh month of the September 1844, and the circumstances was often mentioned in their papers. At the same time, they were empathetic in their uh, empathetic in their challenge that they dissented from the modern Jewish calendar because it did not agree with the laws of Moses. I say pathetic, but it's emphatic in their challenge. <laughs> okay, that's right. You have more than two syllables, man. My goodness. Uh, to be consistent with Adventism, spiritual forefathers, Seventh-day Adventists of today need to compute when the true Beth Sabbath occurs by using the same calendar utilized for determining the Day of the Atonement of 1844. Those who cling to the old customs, I guess it's a, hooray, hooray, uh, errors, hooray. <laughs> All right, we're gonna, I have to apologize if you do this again. I'm handling another one of my MS moments. Yay! All right, that's it. Hurry, hurry moments. Hurry moments. Why can't I say the word? Okay. Simplest word that you always say is just H O A R Y. Hurry, hurry moments. Or hurry. Errors. So, okay, here we go. Those who cling to old customs and hurry mo- errors have lost sight of the fact that light is ever increasing upon the path of all who follow Christ. True is they consistently unfold truth is consistently unfolding to the people of God. We must be continually advancing if we are following our leader. It is when when we walk in the light that shineth upon us, obeying the truth that is open to our understanding, that we receive greater light. We cannot be excusable in accepting only the light which our fathers had 100 years ago. If our God-fearing fathers had seen what we see and heard what we heard, 
they would have accepted the light and walked in it. If we desire to imitate their faithfulness, we must receive the truth open to us as they receive those presented to them. We must do as they would have done had they lived in our day. That sounds like quite a bit of pressure to be a subject of evidence. I can relate with that to that in the next moment. To follow the Lamb, whither so he goeth, God's people must be as brave as their forefathers, advancing further in the path first traveled by those who have long since gone to their rest. This chart for the United States Naval Observatory website shows all the lunations of 1844. The conjunction of each lunation is listed under the column, quote, new moon, end quote, because it typically takes two days before the first appearance of the new crescent, add two days to each conjunction date to arrive at the date of the visible new moon. In March, the conjunction, and thus the visible new moon, arrived too early for the barley harvest to be ripe, so the millerites uh, entered intercalated another month as per Mosaic law. This chart is in accordance with the repeated statements uh, that the visible new moon in April was on the 19th and two days after the conjunction on the 17th. The 7th lunation conjunction was on October 12th, which placed the first of the moon, no, the first of the month, the Tishri one on October 13th. Ten days later, on the Day of Atonement, the tenth day of the seventh month, on October 22, the U.S. Navy Observatory Astronomical Application Department phases of the moon. And it's got this endless chart here that you cannot see, and I don't know if it's worth it. Man, it's just got 1884, faces of the moon, universal time, new moons, first quarter, full moons, last quarter. And 11, October 18, 15, 16. October 26, 5, 5. I have no idea how to read it. I have no idea what I'm looking at. <laughs> that is part of the old dilemma here, folks. Somebody doesn't teach you something. I guess I could make an assumption here. But... <clears throat> it says day hour. Month. So if you look at October 11th, uh, hour is the 23rd hour, 25 minutes. That's when you can see the new moon. Uh, where does this 22nd thing come in? Oh. Where's the 23rd? Twenty-eighth, 28th, 28th. I don't know what I'm looking at, but anyways, it doesn't uh, matter that much. I mean, I do know what I'm looking at. I just don't know 
or to find their number. Anyways, when was Christ really crucified? Next chapter. Let's go back to this because I don't feel happy or satisfied about that. Saying I don't know what I'm looking at. Seventh lunation conjunction was on October 11th, which was placed the first month, Tishra 1, October 13th. Ten days later uh, is the uh, Day of Atonement, the tenth day of the seventh month, on October 22. Okay, that's where they're saying I get it from, based on that. Okay. Now, I guess there's a bit there's a bit of complication, but the complication is not brain it's not rocket science, it's just knowing what to study and what to look for. That's what it comes down to. Just like everything else in life, somebody has to show you what they're or teach you what they're uh, ascribing to or uh, they're operating on. You can't just make assumptions about it. Right? I guess you could, but it would be causes causes an awful lot of more grief in the long run, just making assumptions. I'm just trying to figure it out. When was Christ really crucified? Chapter 5. There's no excuse for anyone in taking the position that there is no more truth to be revealed and that all our expositions of Scripture are without an error. The fact that certain doctrines have been held as truth for many years by our people is not a proof that our ideas are infallible. Age will not make error into truth, and truth can afford and, and truth can afford to be fair. No true doctrine will lose anything by close investigation. And that was CW35. And we'll see what CW35 is now. Once again, I know we thought that GW5 was the gospel work. CW5 would, would the CW would be the council of, their, of writers and editors. Listen, you know one good thing about studying the subject of Adventists is it does help one understand a little bit of the hierarchical structure of organized religion. So, although it's, I think it's the twelfth largest religion, it's still I think is not as daunting of a task as um, Roman Catholic Church. That's so much information on that for that institution. I mean, it's. Poof. I think in three lifetimes just to scratch the surface on it. I'm exaggerating on that one, but it's quite a bit of information. So when was Christ crucified? You answer your answer is probably Friday. Okay. But give some specifics. Say more. Well Jesus ate the last supper and ate the last supper with his disciples Thursday night. He was crucified 9 a.m. Friday morning and died 3 p.m. Friday afternoon, right at time of the evening sacrifice. Good answer. It is the most commonly held view of the Passion Week. It is possible you have answered, quote, he was crucified on Wednesday. The belief that Jesus was crucified on Wednesday is based on one of two premises. One, the three 24-hour period were required to fulfill the prophecy of Matthew 12:40. quote, for as Jeho- uh, Jonah 
was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Two, that Passover, uh, the 14th Nisan, as calculated by the lunisolar calendar, fell on a Julian Wednesday of A.D. 31. Christ was crucified on the sixth day of the week on Passover. This is clearly spelled out in John 19.31. Quote, the Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was a high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away, end of quote. Sick. Absolutely sick. I don't care what people say. It's sick. This text is highly significant. It establishes that the crucifixion occurred on the sixth day of the week, and the Jews did not name their weekdays. They numbered them. The only two days of the week that were named were the sixth day, the preparation day, and the seventh day, the Sabbath. And a fact that Christ, it is a fact that Christ was crucified on Passover. But what does it mean that the Sabbath day was a, it was a high day? The answer is found in Leviticus 23, 4 through 7. There are a, the feast days of the Lord, even hollow convocations, which ye shall proclaim in their seasons. And the fourteenth day of the first month at the eve is the Lord's Passover. And on the fifteenth day of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread unto the Lord. Seven days ye must eat unleavened bread. In the first day ye shall have an holy convocation. Ye shall do no servile work therein. <clears throat> Remember, when the month started with the first appearance of the new moon, then they counted the sixth day. <clears throat> Remember, the month started with the first appearance of the new moon, then they counted the six work days until the next Sabbath, on the eighth day of the month, the fifteenth was also the seventh day Sabbath. Eight plus seven is fifteen. Of the seven additional Sabbaths listed in Leviticus 23, three of them always fell on the seventh day Sabbath, and those Sabbaths were referred to as high Sabbaths. John 19.31 is important for another reason as well. It shows that Christ, as the great anti-typical lamb, fulfilled all the types brought forth in the sanctuary service. He was crucified at the time of, mo of the morning sacrifice on the day of Passover at 9 a.m. and died right at the time of the evening sacrifice at 3 p.m. He rested in the tomb over the Sabbath, which was also a high Sabbath, because it was the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and was raised back to life at dawn on the first day of the week, which fulfilled the Le Leviticus uh, 23, 9 through 11. 
<clears throat> a Lord spake unto Moses, excuse me, and the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of, of Israel, and say unto them, When ye become into in, the land which I give unto you, and shall reap the harvest thereof, then ye shall bring a sheaf, uh, um, a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest, and ye shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted for you. On the morrow after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. The Passover, as spelled out in Leviticus 23.5, always fell on the 24th of the month, the sixth day of the week, and the and preparation day. The first day of unleavened bread was always the seventh day Sabbath. And the wave shift or sheaf of the first fruits, testified by Christ's resurrection, was always offered to the Lord on the second day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which was always the first day of the week. <clears throat> and Desire of Ages it is this uh, confirming quote. Whatever, I'll do it anyways. Quote, the trouble seemed crawling upon trouble. On the sixth day of the week, they had seen their master die. On the first day of the next week, they found themselves deprived of his body, and they were accused of having stolen it away for the sake of deceiving the people. End of quote. Christ, as the great antitypical lamb, fulfilled all types of the sanctuary service, as spelled out in Leviticus 23, and on the 14th of the month, the sixth day of the week, he was crucified, he rested in the tomb over the seventh day, Sabbath, which always falls on the 15th, and he was resurrected on the 16th, the first day of the week, which when the first fruits were weighed before the Lord. The rest that... Um, this is so important, excuse me, the reason why this is so important to understand is because it is here more than any other place. There is proof that the cycle of biblical lunar solar calendar weeks do not coincide with the continuous successive cycle of Julian slash Gregorian calendar weeks. The first installment of papers from the Grace Amandon collection was confusing because of how much focus was spent on the date of the crucifixion. We had thought more attention would be given to the Day of Atonement of 1844. In roughly 3,000 pages, the bulk of the collection, a significantly large portion of it is, it is concerned with the date of the crucifixion. Why? Because it is the date of the crucifixion that is the linchpin on which hang all other dates of the 2,300-day prophecy. There were three degrees to restore and build Jerusalem. Only one of them, the third, so let's try this. There were three decrees to restore and build Jerusalem. Only one of them, the third, in 457 B.C., reached to the life of Christ. The 2,300-day prophecy 
is really just a math equation. From 2,000 to 300, subtract 457 BC, subtract because it is BC and the answer is AD. Um, 1843, the original date that William Miller believed Christ would return. Next, next year must be added because there is no zero year, something the Millerites did not initially take into account. The prophecy equation looks like this. 2,000 minus 457 plus 1 equals uh, 1844. <laughs> the 70 weeks or 490 years, precisely pinpoints A.D. 31 as the year of Christ's crucifixion. <clears throat> of course, that's part of the reason probably why you see 13 all the time. It's the reversal of 31, isn't it? <clears throat> William Miller was one of the first to understand that the 70-week prophecy of Daniel 9 was a continuation of the prophecy Daniel 8. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandments to restore and build Jerusalem unto the Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and three scores and two weeks. And after three scores and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off and he shall confirm the covenant for many for one week and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifices and oblations to cease. Daniel 9, 24 through 27. It was interesting that once again that uh, Brad and Christopher in their work feel that it's something completely different than it says there. It's actually talking about the uh, what was going on, I guess, in 70 AD and the, the war of uh, 132, something like that, the second Jewish war. Could have multiple meanings, depending on how you look at it and how you, I guess, mess around with the ancient Hebrew language. Certainly, hope is the first one, the one I've been believing in for a long time, because it has much more significance to all of us including Jews. Seventieth week in prophetic time, one day equals one year is 490 years. Christ was, quote, cut off, and quote, in the midst of the week, uh, in the middle of the last seven-year time period. He was crucified by knowing the date of the crucifixion, the student of the prophecy can count ahead of three and a half years to the end of the week, then come back to 490 years, so 490 years equals 490 days, prophetic times, 70 weeks, and, and to win the decree to restore and, and to build Jerusalem went forth. And from the decree to restore and to build Jerusalem is 2,300 years, um, is counted ahead to find an ending of the 2,300-day time prophecy. High probability that we're misunderstanding this more completely, including all the great thinkers of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. The 70th week of Daniel 9 embraces the year A.D. 27 through 34. It is 
was in the midst of these years that Christ was crucified. Miller initially believed that Christ was crucified in A.D. 33. He was in good in good company. The Roman Catholic Church, as well as the Protestants, teach that Christ was crucified in A.D. 33. Sir Isaac Newton who was also a theologian and wrote more on theology than on science, believed that Christ was crucified in A.D. 34. To the author's knowledge, Seventh-day Adventists were only ones who believe and teach that Jesus was crucified in 31. <clears throat> I guess there's a few other folks, too, besides them. <clears throat> you look at the astonishing star, the star that astonished the world, the star of Bethlehem, that's, he's obviously saying the same thing, the writer there. The reason for this is as simple as it is stunning. It is impossible to have a Friday crucifixion in A.D. 31. Remember, Jesus was crucified on the sixth day of the week. But what this fact reveals is that the sixth day of the biblical lunar solar week in A.D. 31 did not coincide with the Julian Friday. The biblical way of reckoning time is very simple and very consistent. One of the, one of the new moons is found for Nisan. All that is necessary is to count up 14 days to arrive at Passover, the day on which Christ was crucified first month of the year because it is tied to the barley harvest provided that the Pascal full moon occurred between Julian slash Gregorian April the 8th and May the 6th. Sir Isaac Newton, however, because he lacked knowledge in certain chronologies, did not consider any year before AD 31. He considered the years of AD 31 through uh, 36 and made a compelling case for why he believed that Christ was crucified in A.D. 34. I take it for granted that the Passion was on Friday, the 14th of the month, Nisan, the great feast of the Passover on Saturday, the 15th of Nisan, and the resurrection of the day, uh, and the resurrection on the day following. Now the 14th day of Nisan always fell on the full moon next after the venerable vernal equinox. And the month began on the new moon before, not at the true conjunction, but at the first appearance of the new moon. Computing, therefore, the new moons of the first month according to the course of the moon, and thence counting 14 days, I find that the 14th day of this month in the year of Christ 31 fell on Tuesday, March 27, and the year 32 on Sunday, April 13th, and the year 33, Friday, April 3rd. <clears> hmm. <throat> Hmm. 1331. The 14th day of Nisan will fall in the year of Christ 31 on Wednesday, March 28, in the year 32, on Monday, 
April 14th in the year 33, on Friday, April 3rd in the year 34 uh, on Friday, April 23rd in the year 35 on Wednesday, April 13th. By this comparison, therefore, the year 32 is absolutely excluded because of the passion cannot fall on a Friday without making it five days after the full moon and next day. For the same reason, the year 31 and 35 are excluded because in them the passion cannot fall on Friday without making three days after the full moon and the fourth day before it. Errors so enormous that they would have been they would be very conspicuous in the heavens to every vulgar eye. Thus, all the characters of the Passion agree to the year 34, and that is the only year to which they all agreed. And the quote, of course, that was Newton. Newton was a prisoner for for was a prisoner of his own time. He knew the basics of how the Jewish calendar worked, and yet he was trying to find the Friday crucifixion. It doesn't. It, it does not work. The Seventh-day Adventists have the light of the 2,300-year prophecy, October 22, 1844. Any date of that prophecy is the nail in a sure place. The only way for a 2,300-day prophecy to end in 1844 is if Jesus was crucified in AD 31. Because Newton reckoned that the Passover fell on Wednesday, March 28th, in AD 31, he discounted it as the year in which Christ was crucified. Notice that Newton actually gave two dates. Gave two dates for Nisan 14 and AD 31, Tuesday, March 27th, and Wednesday, April 28th. This is because he believed that the Jews counted their days from sunset to sunset. One Chaldean principle of which Newton was apparently unaware was that the Jewish New Year was tied to the barley harvest and not to the vernal equinox. Consequently, no Passover ever fell in March. The first visible new moon after the harvest was ready in AD 31 appeared the, even, the evening of Wednesday, April 11th, making Nisan 1 fall on Thursday, April 12th. Thirteen days later, Nisan 14 fell on the moon fell on the full moon of Wednesday 25. The Passover always fell on the full moon, and Alan White confirmed that the moon was full the night of Christ's betrayal. In companion with his disciples, the Savior slowly made his way to, to the Garden of Gethsemane, the Passover moon, broad and full, shone from the close, cloudless sky. Astronomers confirmed that the full moon for the month as Wednesday, April 25th, and considering the different possible dates for the crucifixion, astronomer Carol, or Carol Scotch, I guess it was, C-H-O-S-C, 
H O C H. Wrote, quote, I now come to the year 31 AD when the new moon for the Nissan new light came on April 10th to 10 in the afternoon in Jerusalem. After 28 days, on the eve of April 11th, at the, this time of the year, every new light is quite easily seen in Jerusalem. One Nissan equals April 12th. 14 Nissan equals April 15th. Uh, which I guess is a Wednesday. 15 Nissan equals April 20. So, okay, 14 Nissan equals April 25th. Wednesday, 15 Nissan equals April 26th, Thursday. Interesting enough, scouts, very accurate accurate calculations of the visible new moon in AD 31 led him to reject that the year as the year of Christ's crucifixion. He, like Newton, was a prisoner of his own time and trying to force a Julian Friday crucifixion. God's people today can be more accurate, unlike these noted astronomers, Seventh-day Adventists have the truth of the 2,308 prophecy, whatever. They know that the Christ is crucified in A.D. in 31 because of the 70th week of Daniel 9 ended in the fall of A.D. 34, and full of and the full 2,300 days ended in October 22, 1944. These dates uh, for A.D. 31 are proven by the Astronomical Application Department of the United States Naval Observatory. Because most people are not astronomers, the cycles of the moon are not understood. They can appear confusing and arbitrary. Nothing could be further from the truth. The motion of the moon is very predictable. If the correct mathematical formula is known, anyone can calculate it on a piece of paper just like Kale Scotch as Sir Isaac Newton did. For those who do not have quite the level of mathematical ability, those calculations are done by the computer at the U.S. Naval Observatory. Well, there you go. The USNO, the USNO calculation was Wednesday, April 25th, as the full moon. One cannot agree. One cannot agree with these figures. They are accurate. The idea that there has been a continuous cycle of uninterrupted weeks ever since creation is wrong. It is true that the week as a measurement of time is still an original length, seven days, but clearly the cycle of weeks never have intended to be continuous as the lunar month interpretation interpreted it. The church has to deal with this truth. It cannot be shrugged off with, quote, well, if the Bible and Ellen White don't agree with the U.S. Naval Observatory, you know, you know which one is wrong. It's the U.S. Naval Observatory, end of quote. It is not wrong 
Ellen White confirmed that Jesus was crucified on the sixth day, not the fourth day of the week. <clears throat> and AD 31, the sixth day of the lunar solar week, fell on the Julian calendar Wednesday, the seventh day of the Sabbath, and the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread fell on the Julian Thursday. The first fruits and the resurrection of the first day of the week fell on the Julian Friday. To insist that the USNO must be wrong because it, this does not fit uh, preconceived uh, opinion shows not only ignorance of the accuracy and precision of their uh, calculations, but it also it also but it is also skating onto thin ice. The very same lunar calculations used by the USNO that reveal Christ was crucified on the Julian Wednesday also proved that the tenth day of the seventh month in 1844 was indeed October 22nd. It cannot be both ways. Either they are both correct or they are both wrong. This precise calculation um, these precise calculations are also demonstrable on the perpetual loony wheel, loony wheels, which show lunations for specific dates for thousands of years. <clears throat> this inspired council could be needed by the people of God. Lay at the door the investigation you preconceived opinions in your um, heredity, hereditary and cultivative, cultivated ideas. You will never reach the truth if you search the scriptures to vindicate your own ideas. Leave these at the door with a certain a contrite heart go and to hear what God has to say. Do not carry your creed to the Bible and read the word in the light of your former opinions. Do not try to make everything agree with your creed. Search the word carefully, prayerfully, with a mind free from prejudice. If as you read convictions, convictions comes, and you see that your most cherished opinions are not in harmony with the word, do not allow what you have believed or practiced in the past to control your understanding. Open the eyes of your mind to behold the wondrous things out of the law. Find out what is written, and then plant your feet on the eternal rock. God is restoring his people the knowledge of his original clock slash calendar. The remnants are those who follow the Lamb, whether so ever he goeth. Quote, they are called virgins because they profess a pure faith, end quote. A common response is, quote, would God really allow the knowledge of his true Sabbath to be so lost, wouldn't he at least preserve the knowledge of the proper day? End of quote. 
the answer to that is found in Lamentations 2.6. Quote, The Lord hath caused the solemn feast and Sabbath to be forgotten in Zion and hath despised the indignation of his anger, the king and the priest. End quote. Since he, Christ, made all things, he made the Sabbath, but by him it was set apart as a memorial of the work of creation. It points to him as both the creator and the sanctifier. Speaking of Israel, he said, I give them my Sabbath to be the sign between me and him, and that he might know that I am the Lord that sanctified them. End quote. Make them holy. Ezekiel 10, 12. Then the Sabbath is a sign of Christ's power to make us holy. It is given to all whom Christ makes holy. As a sign of his sanctifying power, the Sabbath is given to all who through Christ become a part of the Israel of God. The Sabbath is a holy thing and to those who do not properly value it and treat it with reverence, it deserves. They will lose the privilege of knowing about the true Sabbath. That text in the Lamentations was written as an explanation for the last generation. Oh, each of the ancient prophets spoke less for their own time than for ours, so that their prophecies and a force for is in force for us. And the quote: the time of apostasy. When the people did not follow the Lord, they went into captivity, and their privilege of keep, to keep the Sabbath all at all was taken from them. The next chapter will cover just what led to the loss of knowledge of the true Sabbath, the, the disregard for it um, that led the Lord um, to cause the solemn feast and Sabbath to be forgotten, in Zion. And speaking of the joy in heaven over Christ's triumph of his death, Ellen White states, who cares? But I'll read it anyways. uh, Now Jesus rested from the work and the redemption, and though there was grief among those who loved him on earth, yet there was joy in heaven, glorious to the eyes of heavenly beings, was the promise of the future, the restore, the recreation, and redeem the race, that having conquered sin over could never fail. This, the result to flow from Christ's complete work, God and angels saw. With this scene, the day upon which Christ rested is forever linked. When there shall be, quote, be a, quote, restitution of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began, and, quote, Acts 3.21, the creation of Sabbath, the day on which Jesus lay at rest in Joseph's tomb, will still, will still be a day of rest and rejoicing. Heaven and earth will unite in praise as, quote, from one Sabbath to another Sabbath, Isaiah 66:23, the nations of the saved shall bow in joyful worship to God and the Lamb. 
In the time of Christ, there were only two calendars in use. The pagan solar calendar established by the Roman Empire in 46 BC and the Jewish lunar solar calendar established by God in creation. I doubt that there was only two, but maybe he's talking about this particular part of the empire, which, um, you know, where Israel was at. Which calendar do you think the Jews or Jesus used for calculating their days of worship. Let God's people honor him by worshiping him on the, quote, creation Sabbath, the day in which Jesus lay at rest in Joseph's tomb, end quote. <clears throat> well, for a lot of folks, it's going to be a lot of faith to do such a thing because they got their jobs involved and everything. So I want family, but jobs and careers and all that, so. This calendar shows the phases of the moon as per United States Naval Observatory calculation for March AD 31. The conjunction or black moon appears on March 12th with the first visible crescent on March 14th. This may pass over too early for the barley harvest to be ready for the wave sheaf offering on the second day of the feast of unleavened bread. Consequently, it was declared an embolismic year and the 13th month. Uh, Vidar was in... interculated to bring the lunar year back into alignment with the solar year. That's got your map here, or the calendar, and showing where this uh, black moon is on the, I guess, there it is, on the 12th. And with the first visible crescent, I guess two days later, on the 14th, this made the pass over too early for the barley harvest to be ready for the wave sheaf offering on the second day of the feast of unleavened bread. Consequently, it was declared, once again, this uh, embolismic year, uh, the 13th month. Nisan okay. 1 and AD 31 corresponded with the Julian date of 12, April 12, the conjunction being April 10, the 14th of Nisan thus falls on April 25th and the Julian Wednesday. And the key in the bottom of the chart, the USNO confirms that the full moon appeared on April 25th. Uh-huh. There we go. We are done with that. So our next reading will be the Council of Nicaea outlawing God's calendar. Bust this reading up for today. I have nothing going on in my life. So I might as well end this year with focusing on this as I start. Interesting that this year has gone full circle from uh, a great doubt about the Saturday Sabbath to totally rejecting the Sabbath, to accepting a lot of the folks in the uh, uh, saying that it no longer matters, to start to study more and more of it, sort of well, maybe it still matters, to well, if it does matter, it's certainly not going to be based on the Gregorian or the Julian calendar, uh, all both coming out of Rome, that it would be coming from the desert-dwelling Hebrews of the Middle East, 
that would be very uh, most likely an odds being considering also even the most Arabs and uh, the Muslims doing the same thing and many other societies and civilizations in the Mediterranean, the, the Middle East, North Africa, and you know, um, that the moon would be a more logical way of monitoring, engaging your time, your your calendar, especially if you're not, if you have some kind of independence at all from the empire that you're it's ruling you the day. So. Anyways, for whatever it's worth, it's worth a lot to me. And if it's just me talking to myself. I'm not promoting Ellen G. White. There's an awful lot of things that are big red flags. There's not enough promoting Seventh-day Adventists at all. And all these people are ex-Seventh-day Adventists who still have great desire and passion love for their church. They have been rejected by the church itself or even speaking this way. This is one of the reasons I don't want them to do with religion. Because you can't have independence of thought if you're going to have the, if you allow the priestcraft to rule your life. And it isn't bad enough the public school system, the the priestcraft of the astrophysicists and telling you what the world looks like when they lying to you about that, to everything else in life. It's all a bunch of lies and, and um uh, at least we have some kind of independent thought still about our um our creator and how to worship and serve him and regardless of whether one is right or wrong about this it and the day is certainly showing independence of thought <laughs> and a world and religion where it's totally stifled really it is even with this modernist movement this liberalization of the two you know it's a social liberalization there's a social movement where Eh, I don't want to get into it. If you want to, just want to do something, you do something. Anyways, I'll come back here. It is 7.30. I need to go grocery shopping real fast. I have nothing to drink. I need some juice or something. So, Back in an hour, probably, to do another one. God bless. Take care. <laughs>